my good friends has a son who she had to make up a phrase that at least I had never heard to describe who he is. She calls him an initial knower. I've known him since he was in kindergarten, and that kid, no matter what you ask him to do, his first response is no. Only he's a really sweet kid, so it's usually no thank you. And it's crazy because even if you ask him to do something fun, like go to a new park or try a new food or try a new sport, his first response is no, like it's wired in him or something. Now, he very often comes around to a yes, but he is an initial knower. I laugh when I compare him to my daughter, who, like her mother, is an initial yeser. One of my favorite stories about her was when she was probably like three years old and I said to her, do you want to go, or we're going to go to Salisbury Point Park today. And she put her little arm up in the air and pumped it down and yelled, yes, which was immediately followed by her saying to me, wait, where are we going, mama? It didn't matter. She was up for it. She's an initial yeser. Well, Jesus is in the temple today. And to give you a little context, he'd just ridden into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to the cries of Hosanna. Then he went to the temple and overturned all the tables of the people who were changing money. And today is the next day, so it is Monday of Holy Week. The chief priests and elders... Now, they were the guys put in power by Rome, and they had a lot of money and power in both the synagogue and the rest of Jerusalem. It's these guys who have a huge stake in authority who start asking Jesus where his authority comes from. This question has been coming up Jesus' entire life. Who are you? Who gave you authority? Are you God? And now these questions in Holy Week are really starting to come to a head. Jesus is true to form. He won't play their games, so he answers their question with a question of his own. Where did the authority of John's baptism come from? They don't know what to say, and we hear them start to calculate a response. They know what's true, that the authority came from God, but if they say it came from God, they'll be accused of not believing in their church people. But they also don't want to make all the people who loved John the Baptist mad because they like their prestige. So they take the easy way out and just say, we don't know. So Jesus says, well, I'm not going to tell you either. But what I will do is tell you a story. So he tells the story of a dad and his two sons, one an initial knower and the other an initial yeser. It's a short parable and one I think we can all relate to. As a parent, would you rather have a kid who you ask to do chores say no and then do them later or yes and then flake out and not do them? I think most of us would take the initial knower. And if there is a right answer, that's it. But what if you asked your kid to do something in front of a bunch of people you really respect? Would you rather be embarrassed by the kid who was so blatantly disrespectful and said no in front of everyone? Or the one who made you look good and said yes? In an honor and shame-based culture, that might have been a tough call. 
there is a lot we don't know about this short parable. Like, were they having a bad day? Is that how they always were? Why did the one who said yes end up not doing the chore? Maybe he had a good reason? We don't really know what was going on in that middle place between the saying yes or the saying no and the actual doing or not doing of the chore. I love listening to podcasts, and Brene Brown is a favorite, as a lot of you know. She called that middle place day two. Now, Dr. Brown is a social science researcher and author, and she leads lots of trainings with everyone from military leaders to the executives of Pixar on leadership and vulnerability. Typically, the seminars she leads are three days long, and day two is always, always the hardest. It goes like this. People show up, and they're excited for the challenge and all they are learning. And then day two hits, and you realize that if you want to grow in who you are and how you lead and how you act, it is not going to be and you are going to have to think about things you don't really like to think about. And you're going to have to do things you might not like doing. I feel like our world is in a big old day two. The pandemic hit, and we gathered our supplies and maybe kind of enjoyed the time at home to get some projects done or connect with family that's far away over this new thing to us called Zoom. It was okay because we knew we were in this together and working together and we had a job to do and a part to play. But it's been six months and we don't have an end in sight. And September is almost over. Brene says for all intents and purposes, September rather than January is the new year in our culture. September is hardwired in us as the time when we get back to normal. School starts. The summer schedule comes to an end. We get back into the swing of things here at church. Our work often changes after a lighter summer as we head to the end of the calendar year. We put away our lawn furniture. We settle in. And so when September hit, and it didn't help that the smoke hit along with us. And we look around and ugh, we realize this isn't over at all. And we still don't know when day three will come. When Dr. Brown was working with the executives and writers at Pixar, the movie company, they said this day one, two, and three analogy is exactly the arc of every story ever told. Day one is when you meet the characters and find out what they're made of, and then a problem hits and it is day two. And in every story, they say, the only way to get through day two and on to day three is to be vulnerable. I challenge you to think of any movie and how it happens that the characters finally get to their happy ending or just ending. Fraulein Maria thought she could go back to the Abbey to escape the fact that she was in love with Captain Von Trapp. 
but until she was vulnerable and admitted her feelings and went back, and until the captain was vulnerable and broke up with the countess, they couldn't fall in love. Think romantic movies like The Sound of Music are the only ones? Let's take A Few Good Men. Until Tom Cruise was willing to be vulnerable and to risk his career and go for it in questioning Jack Nicholson up on the stand, he won't get the truth. Can you handle the truth? Because the truth is that to get through the day twos of your life, you simply have to be vulnerable. And being vulnerable might mean asking for help. It might mean coming clean and asking for forgiveness. It might mean finally telling the truth. We don't know what happened on day two for those sons in the parable. Maybe the initial knower said, oh man, I acted like a jerk. I didn't think I had time, but my dad really needs my help. I'm just going to go do it. Maybe the initial yeser realized he didn't have the time he thought he had, or maybe something more enticing came up that he wanted to say yes to. But whatever it was, he never was able to follow up his words and actions with actions, and he never got to date. I think about those chief priests and elders and their unwillingness to be vulnerable in any way, shape, or form. They won't say what they know to be true, because then it might seem like they don't believe. And they won't say what they want to say because then the people might not like them. They're constantly calculating their responses, but to get through day two, to follow Jesus, I would argue, you can't keep calculating. The reading from Philippians is one of the most important texts in the Bible that we use to learn about who Jesus is. When Paul describes Jesus, he turns to one of the earliest songs of the church, and it's all about vulnerability. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not take equality with God as something to be grasped but rather he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human form, and he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul is just getting to the gut of things here. Paul is saying that we are stuck. Call it original sin. Hey, call it the day two-ness of our lives. Call it being stuck in the middle. Whatever you call it, we are so stuck, so bound, that the only way for God to save us was to become one of us. Paul is saying that it is God's very nature to empty himself for us. God became a vulnerable baby who lived among us and died for us. And Jesus' authority to save us from our middle place, he has it because he is God. Or as he's named in the book of Matthew, Emmanuel, God with us. Think about how those chief priests and elders were always calculating what was the most and really the least painful to do 
And I contrast it with what Paul says about how we are live, to live together. He says, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard each other as better than yourself. It's a lesson in being vulnerable, don't you think? And it was written to a struggling church while Paul was in prison. I find that so comforting to hear in a time when so many of us are struggling with being stuck in this middle place of a pandemic that feels like a prison we just want to be over already. Paul is saying, through Christ, you can live a life of humility with one another, emptying yourselves for each other. You can be vulnerable. You can mess up. You can ask for help. You can say, I'm really anxious or depressed. Because all of our striving to be better and calculating about what it's, what's in it for me has been put to death with Christ on the cross. Let's go back to Jesus' parable one last time. At the very end, he tells those high and mighty religious leaders that some crooks and some whores are going to heaven in front of them. The lowest of the low, the people everyone overlooked, the most vulnerable. This is who Jesus came for, and you know what? Every one of us, when we stand before Jesus, is the lowest of the low. Every one of us, when we see God, is an initial knower. But Luther says we come before God as a beggar or not at all. So I say to you today, no matter how stuck in the middle or stuck in day two you are, to all of you beggars and sinners and vulnerable people of God. Remember what happened on day three? Jesus rose from the dead and everything changed for you and for me and for everyone. We are free now. Free to meet each other in humility, looking not to our interests but to the interests of each other. We will get through this long middle place, this seemingly never-ending day two, because we have a God who comes to us in vulnerability so that we can be vulnerable ourselves. We are clothed in Christ. Let the same mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus, who loves you and is with you.